Chapter One of Frederick Douglass, a biography by Charles W. Chestnut. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. If it be no small task for a man of the most favored antecedents and the most fortunate surroundings to rise above mediocrity in a great nation, it is surely a more remarkable achievement for a man of the very humblest origin possible to humanity in any country in any age of the world in the face of obstacles seemingly unsurmountable to win high honors and rewards to retain for more than a generation the respect of good men in many lands and to be deemed worthy of enrollment among his country's great men such a man was frederick douglas and the example of one who thus rose to eminence by sheer force of character and talents that neither slavery nor caste proscription could crush must ever remain as a shining illustration of the essential superiority of manhood to environment circumstances made frederick douglass a slave but they could not prevent him from becoming a free man and a leader among mankind the early life of douglass as detailed by himself from the platform in vigorous and eloquent speech and as recorded in the three volumes written by himself at different periods of his career is perhaps the completest indictment of the slave system ever presented at the bar of public opinion fanny Kremble's journal of a residence on a georgian plantation kept by her in the very year of douglas's escape from bondage but not published until eighteen sixty three too late to contribute anything to the downfall of slavery is a singularly clear revelation of plantation life from the standpoint of an outsider entirely unbiased by american prejudice frederick douglass's narrative is the same story told from the inside they coincide with the main facts and in the matter of detail like the two slightly differing views of a stereoscopic picture they bring out into bold relief the real character of the particular institution uncle tom's cabin lent to the structure of fact the decorations of humor a dramatic plot and characters whose fate the touch of creative genius gave a living interest but after all it was not uncle tom nor topsy nor miss ophelia nor eliza nor little eva that made the book the power it proved to stir the hearts of men but the great underlying tragedy then already rapidly approaching a bloody climax frederick douglass was born in february eighteen seventeen as nearly as the date could be determined in after years when it became a matter of public interest at tuckahoe near easton talbot county on the eastern shore of maryland a barren and poverty-stricken district which possesses in the birth of douglass its sole title to distinction his mother was a negro slave tall erect and well proportioned of a deep black and glossy complexion with regular features and manners of a natural dignity and sedateness though a field hand and compelled to toil many hours a day she had in some mysterious way learned to read being the only person of color in tuckahoe slave or free who possessed that accomplishment his father was a white man it was in the nature of things that in after years attempts should be made to analyze the sources of douglas's talent and that the question should be raised whether he owed it to the black or to the white half of his mixed ancestry but douglas himself who knew his own mother and grandmother 
ascribed such powers as he possessed to the negro half of his blood and as to it certainly he owed the experience which gave his anti-slavery work its peculiar distinction and value he doubtless believed it only fair that the credit for what he accomplished should go to those who needed it most and could justly be proud of it he never knew with certainty who his white father was for the exigencies of slavery separated the boy from his mother before the subject of his paternity became of interest to him and in after years his white father never claimed the honor which might have given him a place in history douglas's earliest recollection centered around the cabin of his grandmother betsy bailey who seems to have been something of a privileged character on the plantation being permitted to live with her husband isaac in a cabin of their own charged with only the relatively light duty of looking after a number of young children mostly the offspring of her own five daughters and providing for her own support it is impossible in a work of the scope of this to go into very elaborate detail with reference to this period of douglas's life however interesting it might be the real importance of his life to us of another generation lies in what he accomplished toward the world's progress which he only began to influence several years after his escape from slavery enough ought to be stated however to trace his development from slave to freeman and his preparation for the platform where he secured his hearing and earned his fame douglas was born the slave of one captain aaron anthony a man of some consequence in eastern maryland the manager or chief clerk of one colonel lloyd the head for that generation of an old exceedingly wealthy and highly honored family in maryland the possessor of a stately mansion and one of the largest and most fertile plantations in the state captain anthony though only the satellite of this great man himself owned several farms and a number of slaves at the age of seven douglas was taken from the cabin of his grandmother at tuckahoe to his master's residence on colonel lloyd's plantation up to this time he had never to his recollection seen his mother all his impressions of her were derived from a few brief visits made to him at colonel lloyd's plantation most of them at night these fleeting visits of the mother were important events in the life of the child now no longer under the care of his grandmother but turned over to the tender mercies of his master's cook with whom he does not seem to have been a favorite his mother died when he was eight or nine years old her son did not see her during her illness nor learn of it until after her death it was always a matter of grief to him that he did not know her better and that he could not was one of the sins of slavery he never forgave on colonel lloyd's plantation douglas spent four years of the slave life of which his graphic description on the plantation stirred humane hearts to righteous judgment of an unrighteous institution it is enough to say that this lad with keen eyes and susceptible feelings was an eye-witness of all the evils to which slavery gave birth its extremes of luxury and misery could be found within the limits of one estate he saw the field-hand driven forth at dawn to labor until dark he beheld every natural affection crushed when inconsistent with slavery 
or warped and distorted to fit the necessities and promote the interests of the institution he heard the unmerited strokes of the lash on the backs of others and felt them on his own in the wild songs of the slaves he read beneath their senseless jargon or their fulsome praise of old master the often unconscious note of grief and despair he perceived too the debasing effects of slavery upon master and slave alike crushing all semblance of manhood in the one and in the other substituting passion for judgment caprice for justice and indolence and effeminacy for the more virile virtues of freemen doubtless the gentle hand of time will sometimes spread the veil of silence over this painful past but while we are still gathering its evil aftermath is it well enough that we do not forget the origin of so many of our civic problems when douglas was ten years old he was sent from the lloyd plantation to baltimore to live with one hugh ald a relative of his master here he enjoyed the high privilege for a slave of living in the house with his master's family in the capacity of houseboy it was his duty to run errands and take care of a little white boy tommy ald the son of his mistress for the time being mrs sophia ald mrs ald was of a religious turn of mind and from hearing her reading the bible aloud frequently curiosity prompted the boy to ask her to teach him to read she complied and found him an apt pupil until her husband learned of her unlawful and dangerous conduct and put an end to the instruction but the evil was already done and the seed thus sown brought forth fruit in the after career of the orator and leader of men the mere fact that his master wished to prevent his learning made him all the more eager to acquire knowledge in after years even when most bitter in his denunciation of the palpable evils of slavery douglas always acknowledged the debt he owed to this good lady who innocently broke the laws and at the same time broke the chains that held a mind in bondage douglas lived in the family of hugh ald at baltimore for seven years during this time the achievement that had the greatest influence upon his future was his learning to read and write his mistress had given him a start his own efforts gained the rest he carried in his pocket a blue-backed webster spelling book and as occasion offered induced his young white playmates by the bribes of childhood to give him lessons in spelling when he was about thirteen he began to feel deeply the moral yoke of slavery and to seek for knowledge of the means to escape it one book seems to have had a marked influence upon his life at this epoch he obtained somehow a copy of the columbian orator containing some of the choicest masterpieces of english oratory in which he saw liberty praised and oppression condemned and the glowing periods of pitt and fox and sheridan and our own patrick henry stirred to life in the heart of this slave-boy the genius for oratory which did not burst forth until years afterward the worldly wisdom of denying to slaves the key to knowledge is apparent when it is said that douglas first learned from a newspaper that there were such people as abolitionists who were opposed to human bondage and sought to make all men free about this same period douglas's mind fell under religious influences he was converted professed faith in jesus christ and began to read the bible 
he had dreamed of liberty before he now prayed for it and trusted in god but with the shrewd common sense which marked his whole life and saved it from shipwreck in more than one instance he never forgot that god helps them that help themselves and so never missed an opportunity to acquire the knowledge that would prepare him for freedom and give him the means of escape from slavery douglas had learned to read partly from childish curiosity and the desire to be able to do what others around him did but it was with a definite end in view that he learned to write by the slave code it was unlawful for a slave to go beyond the limits of his own neighborhood without the written permission of his master douglas's desire to write grew mainly out of the fact that in order to escape from bondage which he had early determined to do he would probably need such a pass as this written permission was termed and could write it himself if he but knew how his master for the time being kept a shipyard and in this and neighboring establishments of the same kind the boy spent much of his time he noticed that the carpenters after dressing pieces of timber marked them with certain letters to indicate their positions in the vessel by asking questions of the workmen he learned the names of these letters and their significance he got up writing matches with sticks upon the ground with the little white boys copied the italics in his spelling book and in the secrecy of the attic filled up all the blank spaces of his young master's old copy-books in time he learned to write and thus again demonstrated the power of the mind to overleap the bounds that men set for it and work out the destiny to which god designs it End of chapter one